Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody. Bridget McGowan here, and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. Today, I have with me Pam Perry. Pam, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited about this conversation because, listeners, this is going to be something a little different from what you usually hear. We usually talk about presentation skills, pacing, and tone, and getting your message together, and body language. Touch on a little bit of that today. But Pam is a PR extraordinaire, and she's going to talk about some things that you need to do before you even think about putting together a signature talk and getting on a stage. So, yeah, sure. uh, so uh, Pam, you have a background in public relations and in personal branding. Let's just get right to the heart of it. What does that have to do with being a successful speaker? Image is everything. So PR really positions you and it positions you whether you're going to be a A-list speaker, a B-list speaker, or a C-list speaker. So obviously the A-list is someone that you've heard of, someone that you've read about, someone who's been on the cover, maybe Success Magazine. Oh my God, if you've been on the cover of Time, right? It's like, that's the A-list, right? Because media kind of shapes the, the perception of you. The B-list is someone that they may have heard of. They can Google them and they'll find a few little things about them, depending on what it is, you know, people will have a perception of it. And then the C-list is like, you speak, put you on Google and nothing shows, right? It's like, okay, you don't even have a YouTube video. So it's like, okay, so you say you speak, but I don't believe you because if it's not in Google, it can't be found. <laughs> so it, it it doesn't exist. So it's really the thing that shapes a perception of what you're going to get paid. A-listers, B-listers, and Cs, they get paid different based on the perception. Not necessarily the skill. They could all have the same skill, but one actually took the time to really share their story out to the media. How does, well, before I have about 12 questions that came out of that answer, <laughs> I'm over here vigorously writing notes so I don't forget some of them but uh everybody what I want you to take from that answer one there's a number of things but one in particular is go google yourself yes. okay yes. go google yourself do it in incognito mode so you're able to see the results that the average person out in the world would see googling you and get a sense of what is showing up because like Pam said, you don't want to be on the C list. And if you Google yourself and you're putting yourself out there as a speaker, but nothing is coming up about you, or if things are coming up, but they have nothing to do with speaking, it's mm -hmm. time to revamp some things, yes. which leads me to my next question. 
how does somebody get started with moving from not the A list <laughs> mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. to being you know searchable or findable or whatever the word is? Yeah. So one of the main things is you know so say for instance you have a book like you have a book um, the book is a hook that can get you media. So as a speaker maybe you write a book that gives you some news because you're going to have some news, something to talk about, something newsworthy. So from that, that's your hook. And then you begin pitching yourself to the media. When I say pitching yourself, it could be your local newspaper, depending on the topic of your book or your expertise. It could be your local uh, radio station. It could be your local regional magazines, but you want to get some press. So you get started getting some kind of traction. That's the first step. And everybody has a local paper. They have a weekly paper, but you want to get something in there. If you can't pitch, then write something for a particular trade journal or even write for a particular magazine, but get articles out there that showcase your expertise. That will give you a link so that you can actually have something in Google. If that doesn't really like say, oh, I can't really do that. I don't have a book. I don't, I can't write then that's when you would hire someone like a publicist to write a press release for you and put it out on the wire. And then once it's out on the wire, it will get picked up by different media outlets. So now you have backlinks when people Google you. So it just depends on where you are and what you really are comfortable with and what stage you're at. A lot of people, a lot of speakers don't like to write. Uh, So writing articles for, for newspapers or magazines just seems really like daunting for them. But if you can maybe get a press release written and put on the wire, that could be the easiest way to kind of get started. Mm, that's great advice. Now, what is a huge mistake you see people making when they're trying to create their personal brand? The main mistake is not knowing the clarity, like who they're trying to attract, right? So they're trying to do everything everywhere. So when I mean, what I mean by that is like, they're on Facebook, they're on Twitter, they're on TikTok, they're, they're doing reels, they're doing something different on LinkedIn. So their brand is scattered all over the place. And then there's no really cohesive message. So if you see someone like, I don't know, just give an example of Les Brown, he may be on YouTube, but he's also on Facebook. It's the same type of messaging and the same type on LinkedIn. It's always the same. He's not dancing on TikTok you know, and then over on LinkedIn trying to teach people how to speak, you know, so it's, you want to be cohesive, you want to be consistent, you want to have clarity, you want to know who you want to talk to, Um, you can't talk to everybody, you want to make sure that you know who it is that you're talking to, if you're talking to HR directors, or you're talking to DEI managers, you want to make sure your messaging resonates with them. So when you're building your personal brand, keep that in mind, who you're building it for, because the more clarity you have and the more consistency you have and the more focus you have the more you'll have people resonating with you right away because I find that most people the biggest mistake they have is they're just trying to reach everybody so they're doing all the things they're doing the most and they out there and 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 then they wear themselves out because they get no traction they get no likes on Instagram they get no no views on their videos you know they put out a video and nothing And the main thing is just to start with one thing and build from that, build a community. And so when you're building a personal brand, don't try to do all the things all at once. I say, start with one thing and be really good at that. Something you enjoy. If you don't like video, don't do video. I mean, do a blog then. 
you know, and do, and be really good at that. So I said, when you're building a personal brand, start with something that you enjoy because you'll be consistent with it. If someone says, oh, you need to do TikToks, but you hate TikToks, you'll do one TikTok and then you won't do any more for weeks. It's That's not going to build your brand. Even though people say, oh, you should do TikToks or you should do Clubhouse is another one. If you're not going to be consistent doing Clubhouse, which is an audio app, don't do it. Do what is what your audience would enjoy receiving content from you and what you know you can commit to and be consistent. For you, obviously, Bridget, it's like podcasting. So you like the podcast. So that's something that you would do and you're consistent with it and you're good at it. But if you didn't like podcasting and people said, oh, you should do it, but it's, it's, it's a hassle to you, then you would be really sporadic with it. And then that wouldn't build your brand. We're going to come back to this conversation I, I love writing too. And so you're you're going to see me writing an article every week on Medium and then it'll eventually make its way to LinkedIn. It'll eventually make its way to my blog and so on and so forth. Yeah. But I'm telling you, I can get on a plane. A plane is my thinking place for whatever reason and crank out all kinds of articles in no time. I have a girlfriend where she cracks up because when I land, okay, how many articles did you write? <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is like we're, we're strapped there. We don't have anything that can distract us. There's no, no dishwasher to load, no, no yes. snacks to get for the kids or the puppies, all of that. <laughs> no one can call you, right, or text All of you. that. Yeah. Pam Perry is an award-winning marketing communications and PR professional. She helps established experts and experienced entrepreneurs stand out from the competition so they can attract new clients from their buzzworthy story. She's also the publisher of Speakers Magazine and the podcast host of the Speakers Magazine show on Roku and dozens of podcast directories. After working with Dr. Pam, her clients have been featured on CNN, TBN, Radio One, Oprah Magazine, Essence, Ebony, Black Enterprise, PBS, just to name a few. She's been called by Publishers Weekly a PR guru, and she's been featured in many major publications and on more than 100 radio and TV programs. She has a 20-plus year career expertise or has 20-plus years worth of career expertise in marketing, PR, and journalism in Detroit, and she is just a dynamo when it comes to public relations and personal branding. Uh, you cannot go wrong with Pam. Now, something you said in your last response, a couple of things caught my attention. One thing is, if you don't like to do videos, you say, don't do videos. And, I'm, I, and I get you, I'm, I'm right there with you because I just get it. But oftentimes, we say, if you are a speaker, you need to have videos of yourself out there. How do we reconcile that piece of advice when it comes to social media? And then the fact that, you know, prospective clients need to see videos of you speaking. How do we reconcile the two? So one of the main things people can tell when you don't like to do something, right? If you don't like video, it's going to come across. So now you're doing yourself <laughs> more harm than good. So you, you're going to be looking stank on the camera. <laughs> you just like look like somebody held you up and it's like they have a hostage uh, behind like you're a hostage or something it's like you're just really not feeling comfortable about the whole situation so get a coach get a media coach get someone to help you with your presentation on video practice uh because you do have to do it but get to the point where you're learning to enjoy it so a coach can really 
give you the secret sauce of what would make you stand out, make you really enjoy it. I'll give you an example. There were two clients in particular. One particular client swore she would never, ever get on Facebook. She's not getting on video. And she was older. And part of the part of it was really deep down that she felt that she was too old. She was um, the upper of 60. And she felt that when she looked at the comparison of the other people that are on video, they look younger than her. Well, they were younger than her. So, I mean, you know, we can't hide age or whatever. So what we did was say, okay, you're going to start small. You're going to start in a private group on Facebook and just do the videos, go live. And so before we went live, we got her better camera, which really helped automatically. She was like, oh my God, it's such a big difference. We got her different lighting. Oh my God, it's such a big difference. We gave her some style tips. Oh my God, it's such a big difference. So on the days that she had to do her lives in her group, she would get her makeup done, okay, professionally. At this point, she liked the way she looked. She liked the way she sound. And now you can't keep her off the camera. She's like the TikTok queen now, okay? She's on TikTok. She's doing reels. She's doing videos. She's doing live. She's doing podcasts live. I mean, so now it was just a matter of like, what did you not like about it? What was the, what was the, because she liked talking to people and she loves being on stage, but it was something about the video that just really, you know, so we got her um, different, not ring lights, but they're um, photo lights. We call them shadow box lights. So she has those and, you know, it's just a lot of different things that we had that were like tricks, you know. The other person was just afraid of the camera, like literally in front of the camera. If you turned it on, she, without the camera, she's great. She's friendly. She's got a lot of stories. You turn on the camera, it's like deer in the headlights. And so we could not figure out like, what is the problem? So just basically it was practice. So for 12 weeks, every week, we would practice her on the camera. Now she's comfortable with it and she can do podcasts and she can actually do her own uh, reels and that sort of thing. She can do lives, pop in on and do a live. Before it was like, it was just nerve wracking because watching her was just so uncomfortable because she was uncomfortable. And I was like, what are you? And it was just, she wasn't used to it. And no one grows up and is, is used to being on camera. I mean, that's not a, well, maybe the younger kids, but <laughs> but if you're a baby boomer, for sure, you're not used to like, being on camera. And so it was just something that a learning curve that she just had to, to work through and just realize that, hey, you're, you're just talking to a machine. It's people on the other side of it. And uh, instead of just saying, oh my God, I don't know how, she's so con overly concerned about how she looks and how she sounds. And that's not the case. It's, it's really, you're translating your message to an audience. And it just happens to be over this medium. It could be in radio. It could be in audio. Clubhouse is great too. Just really starting out. If you're starting out and you don't like video, start out with the audio app. Do Clubhouse. And you'll just, you know, you realize there that people will want to see you as well. They want to hear you and see you. And it's just more of your personal brand that will be developed because you're really developing the know, like, and trust factor. So the more people see you and hear you, the more you're going to have people attracted to your brand but if they only just read about you and they never see see you live it's it's you know it's it's like I don't know about them I want to get to know them a little sketchy little sketchy if yeah. they just yeah. read about you but they never see any video they never hear any audio or they read other people's words about you so maybe that's not right? true. make 
you know, as opposed to you writing something, you penning mm -hmm. something. And mm -hmm. I like how you talk about taking baby steps, essentially. You're not crazy about video. Okay. Your voice. I mean, you're a speaker or you're wanting to be a speaker. You've got to use your voice. <laughs> so starting with an audio only platform, mm -hmm. it's a yeah. great foray, foray into getting in front of a camera. Mm -hmm. Now, with social media, you're kind of trying to find your audience. And like you were saying, if Instagram is not your thing, if TikTok's not your thing, then gravitate toward the platforms that you use as a user, as a consumer to also put yourself out there. So it's about finding your audience in that regard, your audience of followers and communities. But earlier you were talking about you can't talk to everyone when it comes to your signature message and the speeches that you give. Talk to us a little bit more about how do you find your target audience, the people who need to hear your message? How do you figure that out and how do you find them? Yeah, so a lot of times people are telling you where you should be. So someone may hire a social media manager. This happened just not too long ago. And the lady is a CPA. And she really helps um, businesses with their finances. Obviously, that sort of thing. So she's on Instagram. And uh, she retired 30 years from her job. And so she's doing this business on the side. And so her social media man said, well, you need to get on Instagram. Well, the Instagram person is younger, has a different audience. And obviously, she's on Instagram. She said, it works for me. Well, it works for her because she's a content creator. So the lady... Barbara, she's on Instagram and she's not getting any traction at all. No clients. She's just getting like spam in the DMs. And it's like, what is this? And I said, honey, I said, try LinkedIn. I said, just try LinkedIn. I said the same thing that you're doing. I said, with your messaging, try it on LinkedIn. She did it and immediately it just switched. Why? Because people who go on LinkedIn aren't really scrollers. They aren't looking for content creators. They aren't looking for influencers. <laughs> They're looking for information that will help their business. And it's just like, it seems simple, but people are so caught up in the toy and not necessarily realize what is the ultimate goal here? Like to get clients to see you, to recognize you. So where are they hanging out? Business, that business platform, like a LinkedIn. Or you can even find a clubhouse room that has like that kind of thing where entrepreneurs or whatever. But Instagram just has a different vibe. And it's, it's, it's age sensitive. It does skew a little bit younger. So a lot of times, if you're not that content creator style or influencer style, you won't get recognition. So, you know, why would you, and she only needs, she said at the, you know, at the most, maybe 10 clients that she can work with a month. Okay. That's like the max. I said, so we're on Instagram with all these millions of people and there's millions of people on LinkedIn. I said, you're looking for 10. So find where the 10 are. I don't care. It could be in a LinkedIn group. But find the 10 and talk to them. Don't try to talk to the millions just because everybody else is there. And the same thing with media. People say, oh, I want to be in People Magazine or I want to be on CNN. I said, but who is your customer? Who is your client? And then they said, well, I really want to work with people in, I don't know, the uh, North Carolina, Charlotte area or something like that. I said, okay, well, try to be in the, the Charlotte uh, Business News or the Charlotte um, Good day, Charlotte. Or there, there's tons of media in Charlotte. So why are you trying to get all over the place when you're trying to get customers from a particular area? I said, that will make more sense. You'll turn the PR into money instead of what I call popularity or, you know, ego marketing. You know, don't, don't try to do things just for ego. Do it for business. 
and it'll make a difference of who you're going to talk to. So I always tell people, I said, try the media where you know your customer is reading, watching, or listening to. Don't look at, oh, I want to get on the Today Show. You overshoot what it is that you really need. You overshoot it. Yeah, you could say, you know, you could say, oh, I was on the Today Show. But for the most part, people who need to hear you are going to be the people that you identify and then really, really hone in on what are they reading, watching, and listening to. Mm, That's such good, good advice. I mean, that sounds like it's a big misunderstanding or misperception that people have of media. And when they're saying they want to be on, you know, whatever, Good Morning America, whatever the case may be, right, (laughs) then it really may be more of a bucket list type of thing, but not a business move type of thing, right? It's a bucket list, but not a business move. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a business move. So just being aware of like with each, and I'm talking to my listeners as much as I'm talking to myself with each opportunity that comes across your desk or with each idea that you have in your mind, ask yourself, how does this get me closer to a business goal? How does this further my mission or my vision as a speaker? And if it really doesn't, like if you cannot sit down and think about, is this going to get me more bookings or is this going to get me more coaching clients? Is this going to get me more books sold? Like think about all of the goals that you have as a speaker and each activity that you engage in, get on CNN or get on MSNBC or whatever it is. Or going like, viral on TikTok. Thank you. Is this really going to be something that's in furtherance of my business growth? Or is this just something that I think looks really cool and sounds really sexy? <laughs> that's that's part of the ego. So you have to remove your ego out of it. Part of it and, and the vanity that goes along with it. Because a lot of times it's like, it matters to you, but does it matter to your customer? And a lot of times it doesn't. What matters to the customer is you're talking to them. I had someone who was on um, in a trade publication. I can't think of it exactly. I want to say it had something with domestic violence or something like that. And she was a survivor. And so she wrote for this particular newsletter. And from that newsletter, Fox Soul found her. Now the newsletter was online, so it was searchable. And they were looking for domestic violence stories and survivors. She was one because she wrote a article on the particular subject that they were looking for, they found her. She was an expert. They found her. And so she got on Fox Soul, which is a national platform, again, talking about her expertise. And so that's what I'm saying. Even if you niche down, the 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 rest of the world can find you, but niche down first. Don't try to go way out. If she would just push herself to Fox Soul, that wouldn't have mattered because she didn't have any footprint about what was what, what her expertise was really online. And that newsletter article that went out to um, the people in that association, they loved it. And then that's where Fox Soul found her because it was like a, a piece that they showcased on their website. So I'm just saying that, you know, a lot of times we're trying so hard to see, be in front of so many people all at once when you just really want to be known. It's, you could be a big fish in a small pond. I, that's really the best way to be found and to really have people really hear you, understand you, book you, refer you, that kind of thing, rather than being a small fish, like you could be a blib and like, oh yeah, I was on, um, I was in Glamour Magazine back in 1982 or whatever. And it's like, okay, but what does that have to do with anything now? You know, it's, it doesn't help you with your business. So 
you know, just try not to tr- go for the vanity metrics or the vanity, uh, I call it the dopamine with the likes and the, all that kind of stuff because people could be addicted to that, but look at it as business. PR is a business process as part of marketing. So look at it that way. It does sound glamorous, but it really is part of marketing. So you have to use it that way. Oh, so if you use it that way, don't look at it as like popularity. I know you have a question for me and we'll get to it in just a minute or two. My next question for you is how does a person find their, their niche? How do they figure out this is the lane that I'm going to be in? This is that upon which I am going to build my personal brand as a speaker. How do people get to that point? I, you know, I always, it, it's, it's the, I, I have this program called Ready, Set, Go, Speak. So the ready phase is really just getting to know you. What is it that you're passionate about? What is it you're always talking about? What is, you have the education, the expertise, the passion about it's something that you talk about nonstop day in and day out, right? It's like your continual um, messaging that you will just say, put you in a room full of folks, you're going to come out talking about A, B, and C, right? For me, it's always PR, marketing, and branding, right? It's always going to be that. I don't care if I go anywhere, people hand me a business card and I'm going to just say, well, why did you pick these colors? This logo is really different or, you know, oh, do you have a QR code on the back? I mean, I'm just dissecting marketing PR. Look at it through that lens. So from that standpoint, what do people really come to you and ask you? You're your advice, you know, you could find that as a way. And then the other thing is what you're really, really passionate about and who you called to serve. You're not called to serve everybody, but who do you really feel like you're called to serve? For me, it was always just authors and speakers, not so much entertainers, not so much celebrities, not singers. I'm not trying to help people, you know, get their CDs out and all that kind of stuff, even though I could, but it's really authors and speakers because people who have a message. So I always say, just really figure that part out, sit still with yourself, really understand who it is that you enjoy working with and what is how does that expertise match up then that way you can find what's unique and why people will come to you because of that but it is really the key pillar of everything but what do you say to people who say okay I I sat down I figured out what people come to me for and ask me questions about and I know exactly what I'd speak on if you were to give me a microphone and told me I could have the next three hours. But what do you say to people who say, I've got my message nailed down, but I'm worried nobody wants to hear it? What do you say to that person? I was, if nobody wants to hear it. So if the message is really about them, then probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it real. People want to know what's in it for them. So if you, if you have a, I don't know, I always said this, people who've gone through these tragedies and that kind of thing, or they have these horrific stories or whatever. I mean, there's there's a lot of people who've gone through a lot of things, but what are the takeaway lessons that people are going to learn from that? And so you've overcome it. What can you teach? Not that you've gone through the story and you want everybody to hear it. I mean, that's that's not the <laughs> that's not the story. I mean, it's it's a good story, but it's not what people are going to pay you for. They're going to pay not you enough. For, it's, right. Yeah. The solution to something. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're, you said they're going to pay you for solutions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's the main thing. Like, what are people coming to you advice for? And then what are they really asking you about so that you can solve their problems? So expertise is someone who really knows all about it, the trends, they are uh, in the associations, they are talking about it, they're the thought leaders in it. So you're leading with thoughts. And, and, and I always say that if you write a book, 
and it's your, especially your first book, it should be your signature book. And that is your framework from everything that you talk about from now on. You know, when you think about um, Tony Robbins' first book, I think it had something to do with the giant within or something like that. It could have been one before that. But it was basically always talking about the same thing. If you look at his book, it's really the framework for all his other books. So it's his, his signature message it's his it's his brand it's a motivation type of thing so his first book even Les Brown's first book um something about winning you know being great or something like that you know so you'll see the first books of different people Dennis Kimbrough he's another one that has like a think and grow rich black choice he still talks about that right even though the book was like 15 years ago George Frazier same thing success runs in our race still talks about this so he pulls frameworks out of that book that's why I would say speakers should have a book. It doesn't have to be 400 pages, doesn't even have to be 200 pages, but at least 100 and something pages. That is your framework. That is your key message. And I always tell people to start with that first, because if you have it written, you'll feel it's real. Um, people will uh, buy the book. That You'll get comments from them. You can pull out workbooks from there, workshops, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, when people say, well, I don't think nobody buys it. It's probably because it's just all about you and not about what you're doing for someone else. Yes, yes. I like how you said you've overcome it. Now, what can you teach us based on what you've overcome? And I really appreciate how you shine a light on this book thing, because some people may feel a little frightened and say, oh my goodness, so you write a book and that's kind of your signature piece. That's the hub of your wheel. And, you know, I'm just kind of stuck with that, but I like how you talk about all these different big speakers where, yes, that book, that first book is at the center of what they do, but then they expound on content that was written in that book. So I, I don't want you to feel like you can only write one book and then, okay. you yeah. know, maybe just update it. But, you know, as you learn, as you grow, as you have more experiences, you may look at one of the chapters in that book and say, you know what, that chapter three in my first book, based on what I know and what I've learned, it can become its own book. And so now you've got a spoke, mm -hmm. uh, you know, emanating from that hub. Mm -hmm. um, let's see, let me ask you this. You, you said start with a book. However, we have some speakers, moi included, who was speaking for years, nearly two decades without a book. Should people worry? about not having a book? I guess I kind of answered the question given how long I spoke without a book, but I want to hear from you, the expert. Should people so worry about not having a book and speaking? And, or Well, I started out as a literary publicist. So that was the main thing. So I was working in the publishing field. And so I found just coming into that, I wasn't like working with speakers and trying to do PR for them. I was, I was hired by publishing companies to do publicity for the authors, nonfiction authors. The nonfiction authors were simultaneously speakers and they made more money. So it was just, it, and this was in beginning 2000. So when I was primarily hired by a lot of the publishing companies, the random houses and all that kind of thing. And so times have changed, maybe especially today because of the competitiveness of the market and the information overload. Books just really give you that distinguishing factor and really gives you a little bit more authority. 
maybe when you were starting out, maybe that wasn't a thing and maybe there weren't as many people that were publishing books, but now book publishing is a little bit more accessible to people. And so for not having one is like, really like, why do you not have anything to say? You can even go to your blog. And if you've been writing, you can pull all your blog articles together and make a book, which you have done. And it's relatively easy to do. So, and the book doesn't even, you don't have to buy tons of books and keep them in your garage. You can do them print on demand. So it's really, technology has changed. So it's really a great way to really uh, make yourself available as a speaker or even a tips booklet. I tell people, I said, it could be a tips booklet even, you know, and, and that can be a great way to a start. I have some clients that's like, oh, I don't have time to write a book. I said, well, you've done a lot of things. I said, you have tips. You're a uh, financial uh, advisor. Give me 52 tips. Put the 52 tips together, it became a tips booklet. And so that's what he really mails out to conference, um, you know, people who are looking for conference speakers. So he has something to mail out besides one sheet. Excellent, excellent, excellent advice. And like you said, when you were doing the work with those publishing companies, those people who published but also spoke would get more bookings, right? And then I'm going to flip things around and say, yes, I was doing well before publishing my book, but I find that now that I have not just one, but I think 10 at this point, that bookings are a lot easier or they are more frequent, right? Mm -hmm. Because maybe I'll speak at a conference. Hundreds, if not thousands of people are happy. They run and buy my book. They're able to take something home with them. I can't tell you how many times I'll have someone from an audience where they're not a decision maker, but they'll go to their boss and give them your and, book. Right? They'll buy a couple of copies and make sure their boss gets one. And next thing I know, I'm getting booked for yeah. a speaking engagement because the boss wasn't there to see me, but he or she was able to get a sense of who I am based on what the team member shared, but then also checking out something in my book. And then regarding the 52 tips, excellent idea. I did that back in, oh, I don't remember what year now. We'll say 2020, I think. I did a 52 tips book. Yeah, so I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I did a 52 tips book. And probably and didn't take that long to do it. It, it did probably a plane ride. I yeah. mean, all kidding aside, I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah. that I did do it in one trip. I think I wow. did part of it yeah. on mm -hmm. the first leg and then part of it on the and the remainder on the return trip. And I'm yeah. not kidding you. Yeah. I'm 99% positive that January of 2020, right before the pandemic hit, I had a keynote in Kansas. Yes, I'm pretty sure that is what I did. At any rate, I updated it and revised it. And now it's like double the size or more than double the wow. size. It yeah. was back in 2020. Yeah, a new edition came out in January of 2022, where I deleted some of the tips, added some new ones, expounded on the old ones, added some other stuff in there that wasn't in the first edition. So like Pam says, you can do a tips book. Don't feel like you have to write Moby Dick, right? right. <laughs> and right. it does need to have some meat to it. It does need to be at least a hundred plus pages long. And mm -hmm. if you get with the right publisher where they're good with design, they're good with typesetting, they can take a 16, 18, 20,000 word manuscript and make it a hundred, a hundred plus pages for you. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, 
you know, we can do some tricks and I say, we, I'm a publisher. <laughs> so we can do some things with typesetting and design and spacing and so on, where it doesn't look obvious that that's what we're doing, because you have seen some books, Pam, right? Where the margins are five oh inches on each. I've, I've seen them. And then I just throw it back at them. I said, really? I said, this is not, this is, this is a pamphlet. This is not a book, really. I was like, you got it like 18 size fonts and no, it's one I saw was like 24. I said, well, this looks like a coloring book. What is this? And I'm like, it was horrible. The cover was cute, but I was like, the inside was horrible. Yeah, um, make sure, yeah. make sure you're giving your readers some substance because again, this is part of your brand. It's not this book isn't just kind of something that you're putting together, but it's an extension of you. So make sure that you're very proud to put it out there to people. Um, mm -hmm. and and again, I mean. I say 16 to 20,000 words. I think you want to get closer to 18,000. Get as close to 20,000 as you can. Yeah. Uh, and then you can get yourself a 100-page book-ish, depending mm -hmm. on the, the dimensions, right? So anyway, work with a credible publisher, somebody that you connect and click with and make that happen. Okay, Pam, what is your question for me? So what city are you in? Where do you I am in Chandler, Arizona, which is a suburb of Phoenix. Okay, so Phoenix has a local uh, TV or a, a local morning show, correct? Multiple, I'm sure. <laughs> so with the new year coming up, I would challenge you to um, send a pitch to the producer of the ABC, NBC, or CBS local news, just pitching yourself basically to give them some tips for the new year. They're always looking for something. So do it now because there are people who start doing it. So do it now and then let me know how you land. Because I find that sometimes we're so, um, we don't realize that their, their job is to find new people, right? Is to really put people on. So once you're on the ABC, CBS, and typically the morning shows are lifestyle type of shows. And you can kind of take a look at some of the show topics that they're doing. If you can't really find the producer, but they usually are on the website, you can just call the station. You're right there in the local, call the reception, say, who's the producer of, I don't know, Phoenix Today? And I'm just, I'm just saying like Phoenix Today. And they'll tell you and you'll find their email. You know, you'll find it on LinkedIn or you find it somewhere. Or if you can't call the reception, like, what's your email? I'd like to send them a idea for a show segment. And that's what you will say. I'd like to send them an idea for a show segment. There, they have to create show segments probably at least four show segments every day all you know all for 30 days you know for you know every day so they have they need ideas so by you giving them an idea something that's in your wheelhouse will be like one that's already done for them it's like oh my god that's in the can so I don't have to worry about Tuesday so that's it that's the question so finding those people okay this is the most unique question and challenge that has been posed to me on the show and my goodness now listeners are going to be waiting to see what <laughs> what happened yeah because okay. your website is beautiful you've got the podcast you've got the video they know you talk in sound bites they know you present they're just waiting on you so you just have to just send them a quick quick email no more than 150 words hey you know i have a show segment idea i like to talk about a I will go over this. How does that sound? And okay, you, you make it sound really easy, Pam. It is. Well, you're in a market too. That will be probably what the Phoenix market, 
Yeah. So it's not like it's New York. So if it was New York, it'd be a little bit harder or Chicago or, you know what I'm saying? It's not like it's a top 10 market. So it's, it's pretty, you know, they're looking for content, you know, so it's pretty much, I won't say it's a desert, but it, you know, it's Phoenix, but you know, it's pretty much like it's sparse, you know, it's it's a desert, literally it's a desert. We can go there, (laughs) but it's a gorgeous desert, but but they're looking, they're looking for that kind of thing. So if it was a different market, if someone lives in say Washington, DC, might be a little bit deeper, you know, but, but you have a good opportunity to be on all three. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, everybody, you, (laughs) you hear the challenge that has been placed in my lap. Let's see what happens. And I could could send you a media list too, to give you a head start. I could go Phoenix because I have that. So I could send you that. Well, you're like a total rock star. All right, then. All right. This is fantastic. This, you know, I, you know, I, I worry sometimes turning the microphone over to the guests because I never know what I'm going to get. I love it. Yes, <laughs> I love yes. it. It keeps me on my toes. Okay. Well, I look forward to that list and, and then uh, I'll get to work. I'll get to work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pam, what else do listeners need to know whether it's PR, whether it's marketing, whether it's branding, in order to make sure they're standing out and they're shining and being their best? On a regular basis, look for a press release that you could issue. And you can do it on um, on my website, pamperrypr.com. You have an opportunity to do a press release once a month. It's like um, hundred bucks, right? You could do a press release. It'll go out on the wire. So say for instance, December, you'll talk about um, holidays. If it's, you know, November, talk about gratitude. I mean, so you pick a theme of the month or something that's interesting about your area of expertise, but you should be able to find some kind of news, something that's, um, how would it say, newsworthy uh, once a month that you could send out at the beginning of the month. And uh, November happened to be hip hop, <laughs> hip hop history month, hip hop history month, right? So I had a client that did a, um, let me know that. And we put together a a press release about the hip-hop history talk about LL Cool J and you know all the people from the hip-hop era and basically he got some press you know he was in hip-hop weekly he was in hustle um hustle times or something you know so it was niched down because you know basically he's like he he talks to um um, kids you know urban kids in Atlanta so hip-hop weekly was his thing he happened to be from New York as well so he knew a lot of the history so yeah so I would say once a month, do a press release, look at the calendar. What is, you know, everybody knows October is breast cancer awareness month. They know that January people are talking about health and fitness and goals, you know, February, they're talking about love or they're talking about black history. I mean, so find something that can be niched around news that you can do a press release. Oh, that's beautiful. And let me ask you this. When uh, uh, someone visits your website, pamperrypr.com, and requests that service. Does your team help with writing the release, or should the requester show up with the press release already written, and then your team just tweaks it? So either way, they can write it themselves, and then that's where it's like the 99 bucks, but the more services you add, the more it'll cost. But if they want someone to help them write it, I can help them do that as well. Okay, fantastic. And what does that pricing start at? That Russian size about 250 and up, depending on how many words, you know, if you're going like 1500 words, it's going to cost more, but I wouldn't even suggest doing 1500 press release. Mostly they're like 700 words, no more than 1200 words. Okay. Very nice. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Okay. Everybody listen, 
PR, marketing, branding, your personal brand, finding your signature talk, getting in your lane, finding your audience, speaking to your audience, getting on those platforms that make sense for you, not just because you think it looks good or sounds good or strokes the ego. Do all of that. As a matter of fact, just rewind this episode and <laughs> listen to it again. And then go over to pamperrypr.com. Pam has products. She has a blog. She also has her podcast and all kinds of services for you to stand out from the competition and for you to be able to attract those clients that need your message with your buzzworthy story. So don't wait any longer. pamperrypr.com. Pam, it's been so fantastic having you on the show. What a wealth of information. Thank you. Thank you, Bridget. This has been fun. All right. I'll look forward to seeing you on. You send me that link. (laughs) (laughs) I guess this is not something I will be able to let slip through the cracks. (laughs) Not at all. Awesome. On a regular basis too. That's for sure. Love the challenge. Love the challenge. Thank you again for being on the show. And thank you to the listeners of Own the Microphone. I am Bridget McGowan. I'll catch you next time.